Creativity is an extension of the human experience. This wild, boundless seascape has been our anchor for our friendship and our sanity. This podcast is an exploration between close friends of storytelling and artistic expression. In this episode, we begin a theme of our collaborative podcast where we explore the many aspects, stories, and realities of menopause. We offer you, dear listener, a multi-part series exploring this topic in a myriad of ways, beginning with a personal account of someone very dear, very sacred, a mother, a teacher, a writer, a dreamer, my mother, Dr. Randolph Hollingsworth. Woohoo! <laughs> I think it's important as we enter into this space uh, to recognize that a part of the reason we are doing this is that there is a lack of rites and ceremonies for us as women. And this exploration is a means to write that, to bring these rituals back into the collective consciousness. Yeah. Our desire is to bring through ritual and awareness, which stems from our own life path that we know we're going to experience the change and we wanted to know more. In fact, Pixie has a recent brush with wondering what her own experience will be like. Yes. And it's actually the genesis of why we made this podcast episode. Perhaps yes. And you want to share? <laughs> I would like to. Um, uh, so I was having an experience where I, I was late. My period was late. And like you do, I started panicking and I went onto the internet, which is always a bad idea. Dr. Google. Yeah, not not good. And um, it was late at night and so that makes it worse. And uh, all I could find was a certain kind of mythology, which was that uh, I was going to gain tons of weight and I was going to become a terrible, evil witch, and no one was going to like me. And I was going to grow facial hair, and I was going to need to buy all these products so that I would look a certain way. And I wanted to die. I was um, very like depressed and disturbed and scared. And at the same time, I knew this wasn't true. Because I know tons of amazing, beautiful women who have gone through this and they're just as awesome and amazing as before. But it made me feel like it was a death sentence to my life. Like it made me feel like it was the end and what's the point of going on. That's how it felt. And I was very mad and very upset. And um, I instantly reached out to Rudo and said, we need to podcast this and we need to create a new space. And um, because we're both always talking about mythologies in its many forms, I realized this was yet another myth that's been created in Western culture. And in honor of all the women I know and love who've gone through it and the women I know and love, including me, who are going to, I would like to start a new conversation. So. Yeah. So welcome, Randolph. Welcome. Thank you. I am um, honored to be part of your podcast. And to be honest, coming from a, a kind of a Southern woman's background. This is not an easy topic for me. So mm. I appreciate your um, the offer to speak about it. Uh, and it's so strange is that my sister continues to, uh, my little sister, she's six years my younger, uh, continues to 
sound off on my WhatsApp about her own menopause problems. Oh, my God. I know. That's what's happening right now, actually. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So here we are talking about a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about. And Mm -hmm. I just need to say up front that I've embraced the crone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't often let my hairs on my face grow too long, but I I do... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do indeed get all of those things. And yes, I am overweight. And in fact, I'll never forget the, the doctor as he's looking at my belly saying, oh, where did all this come from? What are you eating? Awesome. Thanks, doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. Okay, <laughs> really. And this was in the U.S., by the way. I've never been uh, Not surprised that way in New Zealand, yeah. but. Um, Not surprised. So it was. Um, uh, my story has to do with probably a n- unique situation, but maybe maybe others might have a similar uh, pathway uh, because things begin, um, especially in my family line. Um, by the time you turn forty, you're starting into a dangerous age. And probably many of my ancestors were starting to die off about then. <laughs> um, my older brother, for example, died at the age of 56. Mm-hmm. So it is, um, uh, and my grandmother died in her early 60s. It's, it's, um, so it's a story about um, turning 40. Um, I was living a, a, a fabulous life um, and um, doing really well in my profession as a community college professor at that time and making up courses and just going great guns, um, mm. having a lot of fun uh, intellectually as well as uh, with friend relationships and uh, was invited to become the Kentucky Commonwealth scholar, humanities scholar. Um, So I was uh, given a year off to just read and write and give presentations. It really was pretty wonderful. Um, Wow. um, So I was feeling great and I was getting a salary that I'd never had before (laughs) and um, invited to work for the state uh, by uh, the time I was about yeah, 40, 41. And I just started, and I felt like I was on top of the world, but I started bleeding like crazy and went to the doctor. Finally, you will know from my family, if you ask them, I don't tend to go to the doctor, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh, I, uh, I couldn't understand why I was just bleeding more during my period, but then also odd times. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's annoying. I mean, it's not like I hated being on my period. I, sometimes I would have pain, but, um, not particularly. And then, um, so it was just the odd that sort of the rhythm had changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's when, you know, the doctor talked about perimenopause and then, um, Interestingly, a, a wonderful woman, a, a great educator, and um, 
uh, I think of, of strong Jewish heritage. You, you'll know her, Rue, um, Elise Mandel. <laughs> uh, somehow I must have said something to her about my change that was about to happen and or was happening. And she sent me all this stuff. It was really wonderful, but it was oh. just sort of off, you know, off the cuff where she just, and she felt very giving and she was very generous to me in, in sharing information. So um, never, never underestimate the power of friendships that yeah. can reach out and, and, t- and provide things to you that maybe they had been given. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of nice to, to uncover what perimenopause meant. Cause you're sitting there in the doctor's office and they're talking, 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 and you're like, I don't know what they just said. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, having stuff from Elise was really wonderful. I still wasn't really talking about it with anybody, but, um, um, I was working for, um, an agency in, in, um, in, in Frankfurt, higher ed. And it was, um, it was very uh, powerful position. It was a very exciting time of higher ed reform in Kentucky. And I was part of that reform effort and I was building up things that were being acknowledged nationally. Mm. Um, I was asked to do a chapter for an international book on virtual education. So, you know, I'm not at the top of my game, but I am bleeding like crazy. I, I have mean, no idea. You sit there at a boardroom with all these, and it's in IT, so you're like mostly men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I stand up, right. if my clothes are clean, if the chair is usable by anybody else. I mean, it just, you just don't know. Right. It's so stressful. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have the beginnings of a very stressful public life. Mm-hmm. And and I hit 48, 49, and um, all my heredity, <laughs> all my inherited issues in my family, uh, our university president calls them the Kentucky Uglies, <laughs> diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, cholesterol, you know, clogging up your arteries my father died um of that um and so i'm more stressed (laughs) and all that is going and at a routine thing i just turned 50 my doctor says now you go and get that colonoscopy colonoscopy now Mm -hmm. Uh, oh yeah yeah right turn 51 and you haven't had your colonoscopy. You got to go. So I'm sitting there with the PA and she says, hey, has anybody ever told you that your thyroid looks enlarged? Mm. And here's another heredity thing popping out. So not only am I bleeding like crazy, but it turns out I have hyperthyroidism and the Graves disease is kicking into high gear. Wow. So all of this is happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, and then I went and had the colonoscopy and guess what? Oh. Colon cancer. Oh my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. All at the same time. All the things. All, all parts the of things. your body. 
<laughs> are saying, yes, um, stress in one's life. And I was, I think, by that point, pretty stressed. Even though I got a uh, an award for a big project I did across several agencies in the state, um, I was, I didn't know how to stop doing things. Mm. And I started up a book as mm-hmm. well on mm-hmm. the history of Lexington, Kentucky. Wow. So, um, <laughs> they had to deal with my hyperthyroidism before they could deal with my cancer. So it's a radioactive treatment and just completely destroyed my thyroid. Oh. And then I could go under the knife for the cancer. And at any point were they talking about treating your menopause no. with any no. hormone or no. anything okay so they and were just, just like wanted, let that go like let that yeah. do its thing it's just I, doing its thing and right. i am i don't i didn't become anemic i mean i know there are people that do mm-hmm. because if you bleed so much and yeah so regularly do they so, talk about any kind of treatment for that any supplements no, or, no. okay and, and i'm just curious like, just to call oh, let's deal with this and the hyperthyroidism if you don't treat it um You can go into something called a thyroid storm. If, say, you're in a car accident or um, something really traumatic happens in your life that threatens your body, the thyroid goes into overdrive and makes all of your internal organs work double time. Wow. That's the way it was described to me. And that I had to deal with this thyroid before I could do anything else. And and, uh, so that came to the top of my you know, list of things. Yeah. And can I just ask you a quick question? I have two that are coming up for me. So the first one is you said this, this perimenopause that you were, when you're bleeding a lot, this started in your forties and it just happened till you were almost 50, just like this weird, irregular bleeding. A long time. Wow. And so like, and they never, the, the, your, your physicians never were like, let's try and solve this problem. No one ever really, they just said, eh, you're in perimenopause. This is the way it is. That's how it went. Yeah. I mean, that's my wow. memory. I mean, wow. No, there was no intervention. Okay. Now, I did that have seems... fibroid, a fibroid cyst in mm-hmm. my okay. breast, and they yeah. dealt with that. Okay. And I had uh, fibroid cysts in my uterus, mm-hmm. and they dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't stop the bleeding. Is there and, any way that your that happening was affecting the other health problems, or were they all just right. not related? I don't know. I wonder. I don't yeah. know. Isn't that fun? To think yeah, about? no. Because you've got one specialist over here dealing with the thyroid. You got right. one specialist over here dealing with the colon, and right. neither of the twain shall meet. And yeah. another one with you Seems know weird. Um, a breast cyst. So to see if I had breast cancer, but they were really worried about my ovaries because that's associated with colon cancer. Right. Okay. So yeah, no, I was growing this big, ugly monster uh, in my uh, late forties, early fifties mm. and making more money than I'd ever had. <laughs> doing right. a really wow. great thing. I got pulled into the university of Kentucky to start a brand new program um, to retain first year students. And so I was just, I was on a, uh, and I brought all this experience with uh, technology with me. And so they were all excited and it was so different. And so um, they dealt with the thyroid. I was radioactive, literally, for about wow. a month. Yeah, we couldn't, 
couldn't share plates and cups with you. Wow. Exactly. So, um, and of course, then all the animals started going, oh my God, we have to save this person. So I made them all radioactive. The cat would not leave your side. It was really interesting. Yes. I was sleeping in a little day bed in another room and um, they just had to come and be with me. So it was, it was very soulful and uh, strange time. But then soulful and strange. I was just going to say, I I was just going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because I mean, keep in mind here, I've been working like, you know, I have alcoholism in my family. So Mm -hmm. I know how manic one can get. I was manic. Mm. And the hyperthyroidism, I fed off of that. Right. And so, yeah, the bleeding just sort of um, I just lived with it wow. and I just tried to avoid at least whenever she wanted to talk about it. I just didn't Ooh, know. Interesting. <laughs> so she was trying to help and you, I was going to ask what resources <laughs> like, she gave you. No, but... no, no. Oh, no, there's some awesome stuff, uh, articles and books and, but I gave it all back to her. So I, I'm sorry. I don't remember the titles. Why do you think you were so averse? Were you just not able to handle it at the time or a lot? Well, it was the C word and the C word trumped the blood. Right. Yeah. C word. Cancer. Cancer. Oh, I see. That's a really scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. So even though emotionally I was like, oh, no, 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 I can handle this. Uh, They're going to fix it. It's going to be okay. I'm only 51. Yeah. You know, who's going to die of colon cancer? Well, of course, my brother died (laughs) around then. So it was just so weird. Mm. But um, um, so I I was looking at my own mortality. And I don't think I hit menopause because I was still in the same kind of perimenopause. The symptoms were the same when I went under the knife for the colon. And then... um, after I had surgery for the colon cancer, um, I just never bled again. Wow. Wow. It completely stopped. And my guess is I never actually underwent a menopausal change because of the trauma of the surgery. They right. took out about uh, seven inches of my colon. Wow. Yeah. So... And um, wow. I'm still Something in this somebody's... high profile job. So it's not like. <laughs> You're still getting on. You're still, I'm still going. performing. <laughs> yes. Look at you. You moved to a whole new country. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's huge. <laughs> that's certainly. Um, that happened, uh, what, a decade later. But I would say um, all through my 50s um, was thing after thing after thing. Um, in fact, and I don't know if it's related. I need somebody out there in the medical world to tell me. Um, my uterus um, enlarged um, uh, so that the lining was so thick that they had to go in and scrape it. Mm-hmm. I remember wow. that. Um, that was, I was like 58. Honestly, that was the first time you ever mentioned anything adjacent to uterus in my memory of you. Like I remember getting my period um, 
when I was younger, like 12, and you talking about um, the kind of holistic change and hormones and, but that between that time and you telling me that your uterine lining was too thick, there was, you never expressed your stress that you were living through. I had no idea. Hmm. You mean of the cancer and everything? No. Well, even that you were kind of just like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> but um, no, I did not know that you were bleeding heavily and that, you know, I'm, I'm just picturing you in that meeting in the meeting rooms think and wondering about what would yeah. happen when you see Oh that. my gosh. I know that feeling. Like I think every, every woman who has bled has, has known that feeling. Yep. And it's just like, we just, we just get on with it. Like yeah. these are just like the, the small things that we live in. in but it's life. horrifying. It's just horrifying because oh. you have no control over it. No. Totally. Maybe that's what like little kid, like little boys that get boners in the middle of school feel like maybe that's their their stress that's the same but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it's not in a boardroom surely i hope not anyway (laughs) i mean i i just want to thank you for telling that story that's um i have so many thoughts that's you know i wonder so much my questions are and i'm sure you don't know like did the bleeding start because cancer was growing you know what I mean? Like, did the cancer affect the menopause? Was it a hormone thing that affected the cancer? Like, I would really be curious to know, like, if they were, it was all just chance. Sounds like there was some genetic stuff, but like, how connected were they? Because even though technically you feel like you didn't go through it, you went through a major transition. Like, you went through cancer and this thyroid thing and like, your your like cycle changing and then you come out of it and it's gone. And so like, I'm really curious. completely gone. I mean, I, I didn't bleed at all. Mm-hmm. And so, so it like, was how- huge for me. <laughs> yeah. And so like what I really want to know, it sounds like you really were good at like keeping those feelings like close to your chest. But like, did you have any times in that period after where you're like, you questioned being a woman or like not what I mean is like, you suddenly didn't feel like a woman anymore. I know some women say they feel that way or like you were like, I'm not the same kind of woman I was, or do you feel like you lost something core to you or was it like a mourning process or was it just kind of like you brushed it off? How did you feel afterwards? Or like specifically take- around realizing that she yeah. wasn't bleeding anymore? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. No. And um, of course I realize I'm sitting here in front of my daughter, but <laughs> I mean, after all of that, I mean, my husband and I were still enjoying good sex and so I Yay. felt I felt okay with not bleeding in fact it was kind of a awesome since yeah. yeah relief for so many years it was bleeding all the time I mean yeah I should have made an investment in <laughs> in uh, products because in menstrual products because it was a lot of money spent because mm. even if I was not bleeding so much I still would go and I'd change everything because I was scared it would overflow. So, mm. yeah, cause I just never knew it was, it was completely out of, out of control. Hmm. And I usually, you know, I, I usually bled on a regular uh, cycle and um, I was never that I remember in a situation where I uh, felt like I, I couldn't handle my period. I just, 
Um, the only time was when um, I was in graduate school and I <laughs> didn't eat right. Yeah, it didn't really messes with you. Yeah, and if you don't eat right, it just that's ridiculous what you yep. do to your body. I've dealt with it's that. It's a yeah. powerful, powerful thing, and you should pay attention to that. But I, um, I was really lucky that I didn't, I didn't become anemic, um, and so having this other situation sort of take my mind away from it that I never even asked anybody and I should have, you know, was it related? Like you're asking me, um, I don't know, but it was a nasty little monster inside me that, uh, he, sn- he lassoed it during my first colonoscopy. He said, if I had gone six more weeks, it would have gone into my internal organs. It was so aggressive wow. that I would have probably not been able to address what was going on. It was such a nasty little bugger. And um, then they just took out the rest of my colon, uh, bits of colon, because um, they were scared it had gotten through yeah. at least precancer cells. So the cancer um, on top of the hyperthyroidism sort of took front seat. And I certainly remember you talking holistically about cancer and your relationship to emotions and stress um, that kind of can be represented or symbolic of cancerous predispositions. I mean, I remember you telling me, like, don't hold anything in, Rudeau. Like, mm-hmm. that, that pain, that frustration, whatever it is you're experiencing, let it go. Oh, because, right. I, I am quite sure that the stress of my job, together with probably hereditary proclivities, but the stress of my job and um, living with an alcoholic mother and father being sick, um, that that, if you do, if you hold that stuff in, you just let those little cancers grow. It's just... It's scary when I was reading the doctor's report about, phew, thank goodness we snagged that sucker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you can. I mean, the body and your stressful environs can um, interact in such a way that, well, like you were talking about how you became so frightened as you, uh, Pixie, as you have the the sense of kind of anxiety as you're looking through the web. I mean, that's just uh, uh, that, that anxiety probably also took a toll on your ability to sleep or your ability to, you know, bounce back when other things happened, you know, that sort of thing. We, Mm -hmm. I think we underestimate that power. True. Me me too. Well, we're, we're a little bit obsessed with nervous system regulation over here. Oh yeah, we are. (laughs) And, but the way I dealt with it, was by being like, well, I'm going to take some creative onus over this and change it because I don't think it should be that terrifying. And so I think telling stories is a way of rectifying that because mm. by you just sharing the story, people can learn a lot from just the story you told. And I, I really am curious. So like, do you feel like the Randolph before this happened and then the Randolph after, do you feel like you changed? And like, can you identify how you might have changed as a person, your thought process, like your did anything kind of shift oh, for you or do you feel like that. you stayed con- you know constant i i i do feel that i have embraced my inner crone 
I love that. <laughs> Can you speak more on that? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, I used to feel, especially when I was really thin from the hyperthyroidism, mm. uh, that thinness means fitness. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm like sicker than ever in my life. But I'm thinnest of all my life. I mean, back when I was a little kid, I was thin. But I would say um, after that, I really didn't mind that I was big. And when the doctor says, well, you know, what are you eating? And so he gave me that, what is that stuff that finna, I don't know, some kind of like diet. No, it was a pill. Oh. And um, a diet make, pill? Yeah. It seemed like <gasps> a good idea. But just I, He gave that to me and I, I dropped 50 pounds in a month. That doesn't sound healthy though. I mean, but, I don't know, but. So he said, no, you can't do this because obviously you're addicted to this kind of. Fentramine? I thought it was fentamine. But anyway, I don't know what it was. And so he, he experimented just to see if I could drop the weight. Because I was, I was working out and. So basically an appetite suppressant. It was an appetite, but it was also one of these things that makes you be hyper. Mm -hmm. And so I'm addicted to that, clearly. And he saw that. And then, so, yeah, took me off of that. (laughs) Because I would get addicted, he said. So I um, I just. Well, actually, thank you for recognizing addiction. Addiction. (laughs) Yeah. Good of him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I mean, I don't, you're bombarded all the time with, um, you know, a more svelte figure is fit equals fitness and healthiness. You're, it's constant, but I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life and I'm bigger than I've ever been in my life and I'm okay. I'm, I'm just okay with it. I wear stupid pants and, you know. Uh, you know, big, big old shirts and I wear I stupid pants, <laughs> stupid pants. It's always, you know, you, you also are the least stressed I've ever seen yeah. you. Yeah, I'm very, I'm, um, I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing. Mm. Do you think it kind of was liberating to be able to just heal from that and let go of worrying about the bleeding and just like, and it was almost like perspective. Do you feel like it was just like, I'm good. I made it. Let's go. Is that kind of, am I translating that right? Or, well, I didn't know I'd made it. uh, Ah. Because, you know, this whole thing about, you know, even after the surgery that I had this strange thing happening to my uterus, but, and they said, well, and then I bled a little bit. And they said, you should not be bleeding. And so that's where they found this thing with the weird. Gotcha. Um, lining. Gotcha. Yeah. Lining. Yeah. And so um, I thought I was always going to have to just worry about stuff like that. And um, when we decided to come to New Zealand and be with Rue, it just, um, it was, it, that was liberating. <laughs> <laughs> and Rich was so sure that we wouldn't be able to get in because I was the holdup because I was sick and oh, you know, wow. I had to take all these pills and everything. But the, the guy who <laughs> the guy who looked at my records uh, and gave me a an examination uh, for immigration um, 
said, uh, no, all these pills are seeming to work and you're healthy and go, go, go. (laughs) It was funny because Rich had a high blood pressure and he he almost didn't get to go because they hadn't dealt with his high blood pressure. But anyway, it was um, it was a time of um, um, after we got here to New Zealand, it was a time of affirmation that we had done the right thing that I was healthy and I'm okay to be big. I'm not trying to get a job or all those things that happen with older women that are big. You are seen as lesser than that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't even try for a job. So, Mm. but you have to kind of sit back, you know, like when you're riding a horse and you're loping along and you're, getting up all excited on the horse's neck and really you should just lean back into it and just Mm. let your hips flow and your thighs do the work and balance and just go with the horse that's kind of what I'm doing nice wow that's beautiful I was just going to ask for some advice and you just gave it (laughs) (laughs) have you ever ridden a horse do you appreciate what Randolph's putting down there I have deep, deep fantasies of riding a horse along the the ocean shore and riding with my sexy male counterpart. We're about to hunt with our bows and arrows or maybe in an outlander type situation. So I've always (laughs) wanted to. And one day, hopefully I will. Yeah, but don't be clutching the mane of the horse. You got to get back. I want to be like in some kind of like saga where I'm living out some fantasy. So yes, in my fantasies, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So I, you know, I, for the first time in my life, I'm trying different kinds of teas. I'm learning how to um, just sit and do nothing, which I've never done before. Wow. I know. Congrats. It's, it is, so it is different. You're right. I didn't think of it that way. I am different. Sounds like you're happier. I'm much happier. Wow. There's so much here, Rudo. I'm like, I'm just trying to process it all. Um, I guess what I'm wondering, Randolph, is like, when you think back on all of this, what do you think in our culture is lacking? Do you feel like you were let down by our culture? Do you feel like there needed to be more spaces for you? Like, do you think it was fine? Like, what do you wish was in place in our society that might have been better for you in this situation? Or do you not think there needs to be anything? Well, to be blunt, I, I mean, I come from a family that doesn't talk about these things. So it wasn't like I was missing anything. <laughs> gotcha. But I, I would have, I think, and I did actually very much appreciate Elise reaching out to me. Uh, I probably mm. never said it enough to her or said it in a way that she believed it because she knows that I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon when it has to do with my body. And I just, I feel that that generosity of spirit was a great gift. Mm. So, yeah, we are then missing, even for, you know, the little prim kind of puritanical, don't talk about your body background that I have. Um, 
it it is important what you all are doing. And that's why I would agree to do this, because having women talk to each other about what otherwise would be, you know, hidden and frightening and without any, you know, scaffolding around Mm. it and Mm. and your knowledge, that's, that's terrible. And so the idea that you get together is fabulous, I think. Totally. I mean, there's, there's absolute proof that a deep, meaningful, communicative relationship between women is what extends our lives. Well, when we initially started, I had this really intense feeling of this. This was a circle, very powerful because it was very intense for me because one of the first things that Randolph said was I was bleeding a lot. And I was like, oh, we're doing this. And I was like, and and for a second I got self-conscious. And then I was like, no, this is real. Like we need to hear people talking about this. Like in whatever comfort level they're in, like this is a part. Why do we always have to hide it? Like, why do we have to worry that we're at the meeting in a room full of men? Why can't it just be accepted? Or why can't there be spaces for us to rest when we're going through something like that and still be considered powerful and strong? Yeah. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't mm-hmm. it be both? And I think, you know, I think that that's, you know, we're part of this world and we bring something important. We go through this really intense time every month and then it shifts and it's another intense time. And then we have so much wisdom, but we're just made to feel like weak, like what you said about how, well, you just are less than after. I'm not willing to accept that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you're not less than you're killing it. Like you're doing so many amazing things. <laughs> you're just not caring anymore, which might be what being a crone is, you know, which is what I sometimes read about. It's like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's it. I'm going to wear the, it. the crazy pants and I'm going to like, and I'm going to tell you what I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we should always feel like we can do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it should just be when we go through some kind of big body change. But like, I just, I feel like this journey is going to be putting the pieces together as we hear more stories. And this is like a really powerful one because I love hearing, it's almost like you didn't realize it because like that's just the way it was. But then you're like, but actually probably could have been better for me, you know? Um so yeah, I'm really overwhelmed. It's really cool and it's powerful to have this kind of conversation. It's really Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you. Thank you for yeah. giving me the space to talk about it. How does it feel to talk about it? Cuz I know you were a little like it's not a great story, like you kept saying. How did it feel? Um, it's um I feel like a little bit exposed. Yeah. Um you know, um my my mother um uh, bled a lot um as well and so sorry Rue (laughs) it's gonna happen and um so it is it is part of your as I say here in New Zealand your faka papa it is a a line back Mm. even if you pretend like you don't care or you think that you don't have a heritage of course you do. And your body knows it. And mm. <laughs> it is Beautiful, something that, mm-hmm. um, so because I was the eldest daughter in my family, I often was given the task of cleaning up after my mother. So it was, um, even as a young wow. kid, I knew that women were going to bleed so much so that, you know, like their bedclothes are uh, stained in such a way that, um, 
that you have to take special care. And so actually I had, I had grown up around bleeding, but I just, um, nobody ever talked about it. The conversation adds to the context. Well, and it also helps you uh, come to terms with what's happening to you. Because, of course, even though you have this heritage, you have your own journey as you traverse these changes. And there's been a lot of attention to adolescence, and I appreciate that. I know adolescence is important because we need to think about children. You know, it was only 100 years ago the consent age was 12. I mean, you need to think about why we changed consent age to a later age. Of course. So the science of adolescence is important. Well, the science of menopause (laughs) should also be important. (laughs) Yeah, but it's only because maybe only women go through it that it's not considered. I personally think it might be because it's once you're done breeding, you don't matter anymore. I don't know if people consciously think that or, but it's like the end of your youth. So you're no longer attractive. And I'm really glad that you were like, and the sex was good because I talked with, well, because I have this whole thing about people who aren't just in their twenties talking about sex and having it like into your, I think people into as long as you can, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's like, you don't talk about that, you know, or people think it's gross, which it's not, you know, we have this obsession with being young and what that means. And I think that that's part of it. And looking at people doing lovemaking on the screen, it's so beautiful. When you hit a certain age, no more. Well, it does not look like that. It does not look like that. But it It does not look like that. It does not. But it is um, um, uh, like everything uh, changes. And um, yeah, I think having... um, fulfilling sex life, sex life, look, I can hardly say it, um, <laughs> um, is, uh, is important. And totally. that means that you have to feel, even if you're big and, you know, don't feel like you're beautiful. If, if your partner says you are beautiful, then you should just accept that. Believe them. Yeah. yeah. And that's not yourself. just for women. Right. <laughs> yeah cool um and i and maybe remember... maybe men go through menopause we just haven't studied it and so we don't know i definitely feel like there's a cyclical attitude to men oh don't even get me started <laughs> that's a whole other podcast let's talk about oh, that. okay okay I, I i said like so flippantly maybe because it's just the women to have it but maybe because we're so stupid about it, we don't even know what kind of menopause men go through. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just thinking about, I'm really like resonating with what you were saying about the line, like your family line. And I remember I did reach out to my mother that night crying, which I rarely do, you know, and I was like, I'm terrified. And she told me her story. And it actually was really cool. Like she was like, it actually wasn't a big deal. And she said, honestly, in our family, she said, it doesn't start till like late forties. She was like, it hasn't started for any of us till like, so you have time. And I had to reflect on why I was panicking. And she actually asked me, this is what's coming up for me now. And I remember saying, I feel like I'm not done with my life yet. But what's fascinating is why did I think that the end of my life meant, Mm. you know what I mean? Like I suddenly equated Mm. because I don't have any strong, I mean, 
if it happens, I'd be willing to have a child, but it's not like the top of my list and must happen. Mm-hmm. And so like, that wasn't what it was. It was like, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with, I don't know, like I was afraid I'd lose all of these things. And she said, and it was weird to talk about this with my mom because it's a little strange because I get uncomfortable with certain things, but she was like, just so you know, like sex was still fine. You know, and I was like, oh, really? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, because that was something else I read was suddenly it was terrible or something. And I was like, oh, my God, everything's going to go all pleasure. And it's not (laughs) true. And even if and if it is different, there are solutions. And that's something that I want to learn more about so we can gather resources for all of our women friends. So we don't feel like we've lost everything we know that there are ways to adjust and adapt mm. and still have pleasure all the time as much as possible. Um, mm. So it was a very, but it is a powerful thing when you hear about what your family's like, and then you learn about that pattern and how it will be for you p- potentially. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of learn from that. And um, yeah. Neat. It is neat. Do you so what else like- do you know need from me? Yeah. <laughs> All the answers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Rudo? I feel like it came to like a really natural flow. I can't think of anything else. I have one more thing. Yeah. So one question I did have, and this you might not have an answer, or maybe it didn't apply to you, Randolph, but was there any kind of mythology or stories, um, storytelling that supported you in this time? Like, were there, was oh, there a book? Awesome. Was there a movie? Was there Great question? Did you write a lot? Like, was there something like that you leaned on during this period of time? It was over a decade, sounds like, of going through this time. Yeah, the the journey of womanhood that you were going through. Yeah. Oh, well, because I um, was still doing women's studies. Mm-hmm. I had a sort of barrage of things. But I would say... Um, I remember I went through a stage of Marge Piercy for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just love her poetry. And um, it was around then, too, that uh, Crystal Wilkinson was oh. coming out with stuff. Uh, she's a Kentucky writer, poet laureate. So um, I'm not a big poetry reader, but I remember I went through um, poetry a lot, and I would say um, um, music has always been an important part of my life. So um, that um, that is something that we underestimate often: how mm. much music can change your whole outlook on life. All of a mm. sudden, you're listening to a song, and you have. Um, uh, kind of unblocked something because of that amazing song and or piece of music. So um, those sort of things that touch your soul are are important during those times. Um, so um, you just need to give yourself the space and time to enjoy those things. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. It feels now to me like the natural fade out. <laughs> cool. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your time. Oh I really God. appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad it was useful. And um, I, I enjoy, as always, talking to you guys. So thank you.
Um, with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will have um, inspirational links and notes in our show notes for you. Stay tuned for more episodes on this topic and others, always woven in with the magic of myth, fairy tales, creativity, and friendship. Yeah. Yes, yes. The music we use for our podcast, entitled Whimsical Aliens, was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard from Ithaca, New York. Please subscribe and like his music tutorials on YouTube. They are very charming. You can become a Patreon to his work as well. And this project is edited and produced by Bjorn. We thank you so much for your support, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye.